morning, everybody. Happy Mondays and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by The Mirror's editor, Alison Phillips. No swearing, everybody. Morning, Alison. Good morning, Susie. You feel like you sound like you've been over cold today, have you? Yes. Unfortunately, when I went to see the Prime Minister last week, he gave me his bogeys. Oh, dear. Um, this is the Prime Ministerial Plague, which right. I'm trying to feel positive about. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Uh, we'll try and bring the best ones up and give you as many answers as we can. Those of you listening later on podcast to catch up, I'm afraid you're just going to have to stifle your screams. So, what have we got today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on news that this week's impending rail strikes are just the start, with teachers and nurses set to join what looks like it's going to be a new winter of discontent. Now, Alison, it does seem on a sunny day like this, it's all very far off, but the independent pay review bodies for these public sector organisations, they're going to report back in November, I think it is. The National Education Union said if there's no pay offer close to inflation, they'll ballot their members. And Unison, which represents a lot of hospital staff, has said much the same. Do we have any idea how likely that is, Considering inflation's at eleven percent, the government has already been briefing that we need to keep public sector pay down. Absolutely, but I mean, there's no doubt that there is um, widespread anger across all sorts of areas of the workforce. So, I mean, it's tra- train drivers at the moment, and um, I think the government's doing quite a good job of demonising the train drivers by saying, "Oh, they're all earning footballer salaries and all this nonsense." Um, but in actual fact, um, there's, there's huge numbers of people involved. And so at the weekend, there were like tens of thousands of people marching through the middle of London saying, we demand better, which was the name of the uh, protest. So uh, at the moment, we're looking at um, so health workers, um, teachers. There's also um, BT um, engineers, postal workers, traffic wardens, civil service workers, barristers, doctors, nurses. So and, and really, this is no big surprise because... Um, Yes, inflation, we're all looking at, we're now all looking at 11%, so people want to feel that they can, but, but also, I think even before we got to that point, there's so many people really struggling in this country at the moment, um, and we read about it all the time, but then somehow, when these people just say, actually, hang on a minute, we want to be paid better, there's this, oh, no, that's outrageous, that's outrageous, so, it, it, and I think there's that sort of elsewhere in the press and the media, there's this sort of idea that, we can feel pity for people, but then at the same time, as soon as anybody does anything about it, wants to remedy the situation for themselves, then they become demonised. Yeah, there's this, you can't get paid by the government forever. You can't have furlough forever, and you also can't earn more money. You're asking for too much. This it seems a bit strange. Now, Colin says there's a cost of living crisis, yet the multi-millionaires are still raking it in. How does that work? So much for us all being in this together. All being I think in Colin's absolutely right on that point. Colin. Uh, I think Colin is absolutely right because it's it's kind of like everything that's gone before to get us to this point where we now have a society which is more unequal than it's ever been. If you look back to like the 1970s or 1980s, which I know everyone keeps talking about at the moment, the difference between the average worker's pay and the chief executive's pay was only like three or four times. Now you're looking between an average worker's pay and a chief executive's pay of like, you know, multiples of hundreds sometimes. So there was already terrible inequality which is why the inflation is really making people angry now in it's just exacerbating what was already a pretty bad situation well keep asking your questions everybody how do you feel about extra pay for train drivers and nurses and teachers do you think that they should be being paid in line with inflation because you know this is the thing Alison, isn't it when there's inflation all our costs go up and people struggle and um, people are going to drop off the bottom and it's not good for anybody 
But the government's point of view, and economically, theoretically, they're correct, which is if you actually pay everybody 11% more, let's say, all the price rises just become embedded. Yeah. They never come down again. And we all, we all find that's how much petrol costs forever. Yeah, and, and we, don't want to, we don't want to get into a situation where there's an inflationary cycle where everyone gets like, you know, in, um, like 11% pay or 12% pay or whatever increases. And then that just fuels greater and greater inflation. And we end up in this spiral that we can't get out of. However, I would say that out of these people that are like, particularly like train drivers and other, it's not just about the money. It's about the working conditions as well. So there's one, there's, you know, there's, there's one point that keeps coming out about train drivers about, um, oh, it's outrageous because they're saying that they don't want to have Sundays as part of their uh, regular shift pattern. But but that's all very well for people who never have to work a Sunday to tell these people that they should have to work Sundays for no extra um, money. And I just think as a society, we've sort of got to that point where we think, yeah, well, of course, people can get badly, really badly treated. Yeah, it's just one of them things. Whereas actually, you've got these unions are saying it's not just about the pay. It's about how our, how our members are treated and particularly because some of those caring um, professions, you know, carers who are <clears throat> also, you know, potentially going to go out at some point. They've been treated appallingly throughout the pandemic and beyond. And why shouldn't they actually be able to sort of say, right, you know, this is what we want. And obviously we don't want the country to grind to a standstill. However, there's got to be negotiation on both sides to reach an agreement that works, not just for the people at the top of the tree, but for the workers as well. Yeah. And it does seem from what we hear that the Tories are stopping the train companies negotiating as deeply as they could to fix this. They've actually put some limits yeah. down. so They can't fix it all. Yeah. So so the Transport Secretary, Grant Shapps, is ultimately he's been giving a kind of a, a template to Network Rail, the rail operating, uh, the, the Network Rail who run the, the, the track and as, as to what they can and can't negotiate. Um, and and he himself has refused to meet the unions for over a month. So there's no real desire to actually solve this. It actually suits them. We see this in so many other areas with this government. It suits them to have a row because then you divide the country and then you get your base kind of really angry about it. And of course, this is no surprise. This is happening in the week of two really crucial by-elections. They want to have a row. Yeah, it, it suits them down to the end, doesn't it? Now, Adam says MPs' wages should be capped and the expenses they all claim. Do you believe the MPs had a had a pay rise in line with inflation earlier this year? Teachers and nurses and rail workers all deserve massive pay rises. Some of what's going on, we know, is kind of not just because of inflation, we want more money. It's a correction. Even if there wasn't inflation, there'd be talk of, of bigger pay rises. But it's a correction for what's been historically very low pay for some of these sectors for a very long time. Now, keep asking us your questions. Get into the comments. Let us know what you think. Neil says... Social care workers on minimum wage need more pay in better terms and conditions. Quite right, Neil. Um, and there are some stories on that four or five spread uh, of train workers doing 50-hour weeks and 12 and a half hour shifts just to pay their bills while facing lots of abuse from the public who think they're all paid like Premier League footballers. And at the weekend, like Alison said, thousands and thousands of people joined this TUC, TUC march through London demanding better. Uh, despite what the toys would have you believe, these weren't militant union bosses walking with Russian sympathies all walking down the road, Alison. They were mums, they were dads, they were cleaners, care workers. There's one lady who came off a care shift to attend the march and afterwards went straight back on to the next one. It was doing 14-hour shifts during the pandemic. I suppose the question is, is you've already answered it in a way, is the government ever going to listen to this? Does it have any tools in the box? Can it listen? Because 
the only way it's got, the only mechanism it seems to have to bring down inflation is to crunch public sector pay and keep it low. If it doesn't have anything else to do to fix inflation, that's what it's going to keep doing, isn't it? The the only other great way to get out of an inflationary um, cycle is improve productivity. So if we're sort of creating more and building more things and doing more stuff and investing more and having greater infrastructure, that is a way out of it. Um, But of course, I mean, there were some numbers around last week which showed, you know, how low our productivity figures are. So, you know, there there are things that can be done rather than just depressing um, the wages of those that are kind of out there on the front line working. Um, And... But also, I do think, as a society, the country would accept that we're going through a really tough time um, and, you know, it might be a couple of years until things start to get better. It's the hangover from the pandemic, um, but it's going to be really, really difficult. If those people who, who are on the front line of our society and they're doing, were treated with a little bit more respect and they felt they'd been treated with that respect over the last five to ten years, then it wouldn't be such an incredible great flashpoint if they actually believed that rather than being demonised just for saying, I can't, I can't afford to feed my kids or I'm having to do four jobs just to sort of make ends meet, um, if rather than demonising those people, they were treated with a little bit more respect. And I think that is kind of part of the underlying issue. Yeah. Now, so the Tories are very keen to lay all of this at Labour's door, aren't they? But I'm not sure it's going to fly because it's only the Tories who've got the power to bring the strikes to an end or raise pay or anything else. And Labour's shadow levelling up secretary, Lisa Nandy, we just had a question about what would happen if Keir Starmer was fined. Would he resign? He says he would. And Lisa Nandy, who's the shadow levelling up secretary, is one of the potential front runners from Sandra there, that question about Starmer. Um, Lisa Nandy is one of the potential front runners to replace him if they're does become a leadership vacancy and he had a she had a really good attack line on this yesterday she said that in fact it's the government that's gone on strike because they're not leveling up they're causing all this chaos in multiple different directions so i suppose Alison, where do you think the public sympathies lie here is it is it really that tribal you know tory but boris's base think it's all the unions fault, and everybody else thinks it's it's fine i don't and i think there's i think i think the government is making a bit of a a mistake if they just try and demonize everybody who's out there saying we we need a better deal we need to be sort of uh, treated better because actually there'll be an awful lot of people who voted conservative at the last election and may well want to vote conservative at the next election but if they feel their legitimate concerns about their pay or about their conditions are listened to they're not going to. I mean, even um, uh, so Jake Berry, who's the leader of the Northern Research Group. So he sort of is a, a kind of voice for a lot of those um, northern Tory MPs. He said today that um, the government needs to be really on the front foot with the negotiations as well, because everybody knows that to solve any kind of clash or division in life, you've both got to give a little bit and come together and find some way through. It's it's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help all those people that are trying to get to work this week during the train strike. It's not going to help all those kids that are trying to get into school to do their GCSEs this week. It's not going to help any of those people if they just remain entirely intransigent and say, right, no, this is it, we're not talking. And there is, an, if, if the government, if the Transport Secretary in this instance really wanted to fix this for people, he'd be saying, I'm here, I'll talk at any point, I will help, I'm going to try and bring you and Network Rail and train operating companies together and find a way through this. Yeah, and of course, it's partly his big idea that is causing some of these strikes because he wants to start this Great British Railways thing, change network rail into Great British Railways, which means fewer jobs, less maintenance, 
worse hours, all the rest of it. More cutbacks, that's where we are. Now, Lisa says a couple of grants is their only answer. What happens when it runs out? They're just putting a plaster on a broken leg. I think that there in Lisa's comment is the government, but who knows? Could be anybody. And um, I'm just talking about levelling up and the whole yeah. kind of levelling up. And that it's a, it's for these things to stick, you need like real commitment over a very long period of time. And except there are going to be really, really tricky periods like, such as we're in now. But being able to have a constructive relationship and work out how you're going to get through it. Yeah. And after every pandemic, there is economic, social flux. Huge change comes in. You really need governments that know exactly what they're doing and are full of great brains who can get you through that bumpy Mm. period. Not sure we've got one just at the moment, but we'll wait and see, won't we? Um, Now, to some other issues of the rich getting richer. And on page 11 today, there's an investigation about the cost of living, sport, cost of loving sport, I should say, as Premier League football clubs are lifting the season ticket prices by up to 44%. Now, the worst one's Aston Villa, which has listed the price um lifted the price from 370 pounds last year for a season ticket at villa to 531 that's an increase of 161 quid 44 percent now the team was promoted to the premier league three years ago so that's not really an excuse for it anymore it's still less than some clubs uh there are clubs in that list which aren't raising it at all but then there's places like liverpool which are charging almost 700 pounds to start with so raising that would be a bit cheeky cost of going to Anfield isn't changing but Everton, Wolves, Arsenal, Fulham, Leeds they're all going up so I suppose the question Alison is are they just chiselling their fans or is there a good reason for it? I mean I, I mean, I suppose on the one hand um, those clubs are under inflationary pressures just as everywhere else is they've got to heat them they've got to light them they've got to do the food they've got to do you know all those things are, are factors for them Although I think we all know as well that, you know, there is huge amounts of money being made in football, vast amounts of money, both to the um, to the clubs themselves and also to the players. Um, and I think what we're seeing here is um, there are some areas where people are so passionate and loyal um, that, that they will continue to go back. And unfortunately, these are the people that are often in situations such as this badly treated because it's their loyalty and their dedication which um, is played upon. To, um, to, to charge them more. I was quite pleased to see that West Ham, who we, everyone supports in my house, has actually gone down by £21. So that's good. <laughs> Have they been doing brilliantly or doing badly, though? They're kind of doing kind of where they always are, that sort of yeah. eighth, kind of something like that. Well, well, they prices then when everyone else is... I think they've put more seats in, so I don't know whether they've done it as a supply and demand issue. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe that's something to do with it. But, you know... Aston Villa's most famous fan, arguably, is Prince William, but not everybody has got Prince William. And David Cameron as well. So, obviously, people who can afford to pay for tickets. Yeah. I'm not sure David Cameron would even still admit that he was a Villa fan, or claimed to be a Villa fan. Didn't yeah. even know what colour they yeah. <laughs> Funny bloke. Um, <clears throat> so, we have to wait and see, won't we? Um, but, you know, get into the comments, ask us. Let, Tell us what you think. Sorry, my brain is mush. It's the Sudafed. Um, are you a Fulham fan or a Leeds fan or a Wolves fan? How do you feel about paying another 20, 40, 50, 60 quid a season to watch your team play? Are you going to be able to? You have to just throw it out as a luxury. And some, suddenly watching football becomes a rich man's game rather than... I mean, I do think this is what the clubs need to be uh, mindful of this, that you can only push people so far. I mean, the price of football shirts, I mean, kids' football shirts and adults' football shirts, it's just absolutely horrendous yeah. and I think and, and every year they've been ratcheting it up and ratcheting it up and again I think it's sort of slightly similar to what we're saying earlier because they've done all that during the good times when they didn't need to do it they just did it purely to make more money more money now when we're in a sort of a, a more difficult time and everyone's struggling 
it kind of it really undermines them because there's never been a time where they're on a on on the play on the fan side in terms of trying to make things easier for them. Yeah, they could just take a cut in profits. Yeah, there's always that option. Yeah, it's always possibility. Or just you know, don't pay them all a hundred grand a week. Pay them ninety eight grand a week. Still quite. Yeah. Like, I still take yeah. it. Out. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'd even try and play some football for it if someone oh, wants to. Excellent, good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll have to find out and see what happens to that, won't we? Um, now, we do have some good news in the world. It's not all grim, uh, and here it is. Now, this heat wave doesn't necessarily suit everybody, but there may be a bit of value in all the sunshine that we're getting this summer compared to last when it was all rainy. Scientists have found a direct link between sunshine and your likelihood of getting dementia and strokes. So our bodies make vitamin D when the sun's shining, and that could make you, if you have enough vitamin D in your system, that can make you a fifth less likely to have dementia, according to the University of South Australia. But what they don't say, they talk about having supplements, Alison. What they don't say in here is that you also get vitamin D from cheese, milk and eggs. So does this mean that um, I now have a really good reason to eat my favourite meal of macaroni cheese every day all winter long? And yes. is that health food? Absolutely. And you should eat your macaroni cheese sitting in the sunshine and you'll be absolutely fine. You're absolutely fine. Yeah, I think when they say supplements, I think it's because you get such an intense dose, isn't it, if you have a supplement. But I mean, but I think there's been loads of other research as well in the past, hasn't there, about how um, being outside, fresh air, regular exercise in terms of going for a walk or whatever, are all things that fend off dementia. So, you know, it's there is good news out there, although, yeah. you know. Something. It's sometimes a bit hard to find it, but we managed to yeah. usually manage to find something in the paper. Yeah, exactly. uh, but it does say elsewhere in there today that actually obesity might give you dementia. So if it's too much macaroni cheese, you've got to try and balance it's it out. Fine line, yeah. Fine line. I'm yeah. going to do all I can to investigate where that fine line lies. Yeah. Um, right, thank you everyone for taking part. Thank you, Alison, for joining us. Uh, we'd better let everyone get on with their day, and I've got to go and, go and get some more Sudafed. Um, <clears throat> going to infect some more people with the prime ministerial plague. Uh, thank you, everybody. You'll see you all again uh, next Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda. Thanks, then. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.